C. Savage. And I'm Claudia F. Savage. And, and we're, we're Thick in the, the Throat, throat Honey. Honey. The podcast where parent artists share how to fit art making into their already full lives. Inspirational quickies. In under 30 minutes. <laughs> hey, we're here. We're, we're Thick in the Throat Honey. We're talking with Robin Rome today. So, hi. Hi, Robin. Hi. Nice to meet you. I've not met you before. And um, just to do a little quick uh, plug about Robin before we continue our discussion. Um, She is the author of three books. That's correct. Um, I I looked it up. The Tilt was your first... um, It's a chat book. It's a chat book. Hey, we'll take it. And then... (laughs) And I have a story collection called The Mother Garden. Yeah. And then you did The Mercy Papers, which is beautiful. Um, and uh, you're also the editor of Double Bind, Women on Ambition, which has been really fascinating. I've been reading that one lately, and it's been Thanks. wonderful. So, um, And I, I really want to read it as a partner of a yeah. woman and as a father to a daughter. Absolutely. I'm really, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, actually, you know, when, when it came out, a friend of mine talked about it to her father-in-law, and he was like, well, I'm not really that interested in the subject because I never had a reason to be. And my whoa. friend said... All the wrong people are going to read your book, and it's right. true, right? We right. didn't really think about that with the marketing of it, but but know. I mean, yeah, I, I yes and no, but I think like a lot of we have so many friends right now that are artists that have daughters, and I think that they're really they're thinking about this, yeah, because they themselves feel that the field of art can be really fraught, and then to think about like oh, like what does it mean to be a successful artist, and what does it mean to um, to struggle to the, and, and am I okay with like that level of struggle with my daughter? I know that sounds ridiculous, but I think that's still like a concern for a lot of dads. Don't you think? Maybe it's any kid. Maybe I'm being totally sexist here. Um, well, I mean, I can only speak for myself as a father yeah. of a young girl. I, I consider myself a feminist. You know you, me pretty you well. You are you say feminist. That's so. why I married you. The Oregonians come to Oregon. <laughs> well, I know a lot of my male friends feel similarly as I do, especially the ones raising daughters. We just we yeah. want to see them, you know, shine in the world and do what they want to do. And uh, ambition's an interesting word. I, I know you thought of the word passionate too, yeah. or there are maybe other synonyms, kind of. Oh, well, it was interesting when we had the. Well, when I had the project mapped out in my head, I would approach women and then I'd say, you know, do you want to write an essay? And people would be excited about it. Like, oh, yes, I have a lot of thoughts on ambition and it's really complicated and it's been really important. And then they would kind of write back and say, well, you know, actually, I'm not ambitious. I'm lucky. I'm passionate. I'm I'm community oriented or whatever, whatever it was. But like then the sort of backing away from the word uh-huh. started to happen almost, I'd say like 90% of the time, which made it even more interesting. Because I was like, well, this is like, here we have the evidence that this is yeah. a worthwhile topic to tackle. Um, you know, why is it, I don't know, you know, would would a room full of men have such a hard time saying like, yeah, I'm ambitious? Definitely not. In fact, they would do it pridefully. Like, yeah. It's seen as, I think it's just, it's seen really differently. It's, it's a more masculine word. I've been, well, I've been thinking about this today. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to play some part, some devil's advocate part in this discussion, (laughs) but uh, I've been trying to think, well, am I ambitious or how do I, I, have I tried to 
create some foil against that notion of myself, yes. but actually I am. Super and cool. that people just accept what I do because I'm a man versus yeah, and they had s- I done certain things or approached yes. certain things, they might question me differently. I mean, and they can see the you as, as being laid back right. when you're still being ambitious versus gotcha. yeah. for myself. And this is funny, Robin, because I was looking at your bio and, and everything and, and reading your essay and I was kind of laughing because I do contract work for the government. See, I just outed myself. I do contract work for the government. I do writing for them, a technical writer. We should have like, if this was a, po- you know, like a visual thing, not podcast. <laughs> we have some flashing thing in the corner that says day <laughs> job, day <laughs> job, day, day job. <laughs> right, but yeah. I do it part time and I worked full time as a, um, essentially like I neg- I was a negotiator. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I negotiated contracts for them and it was an incredibly intense job and I worked with all lawyers and what I recall is that none of them had families. There was a sense of when I got pregnant, it was like they would put little signs up in my office saying like, don't mess with a pregnant woman. As if like somehow, just cause I had a baby in me, like somehow that now everything has shifted. And like, you know, yeah, I regularly was told stop being so shrill. I mean, there were things, it, very a sexist organization, but um, I was thinking about that, like... That's the United States government. Yeah, man. We could go there, but let's not go... Let's not waste our 30 minutes on that, <laughs> despite the State of the Union happening right now. I feel doing this instead. Me too. <laughs> um, but I think that... Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about that notion of, like, where do women fit in a position where they're allowed to have ambition, where they're allowed to, like, have voice, where they're valued for their opinion. And, and I don't necessarily think it's the arts, for sure. Right. Well, you know, the I think the... Yeah, that's a big question. Yeah. But I think, you know, places where women don't fight those battles might be places like psychology, yeah. um, social services, uh, maybe some teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know when you but I think even even I mean that's like a, a work family kind of answer and I think ambition is a bigger issue and kind of is about identity and what you want from your life and the kind of skills you feel you have and the things you want to master and the ways you want to be smart in the world and it's about like striving and mastery I think and do you ambition. think has that shifted for you since you've had a daughter or <laughs> that's that's the big question for me. Like, you know, how I, do you identify with this word now that yeah, you're a parent? I I I really embrace ambition for yeah. women and for girls. Yeah, I have had a challenging run in that department myself, just because um, you know I think it's it's smiled upon and some instances and really frowned upon in others and it can be very confusing especially if you have a lot of get up and go you also just I think have to have a ton of grit um and you know I think when when you think about it in terms of like living at the edge of your ability intellectual um artistic mental emotional or whatever it is maybe not emotional but that of course we want our daughters to live there, you know, to be able to go there if they want, to be able to see what what is there at the very edge if they try really hard, yeah. and if they make the most of their gifts. Um, and I think, you know, the the struggle lots of people come up against, lots of women come up against, is that to do that often takes 
what gets called, you know, strident behavior or aggressive behavior mm-hmm. or a lot of drive or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. we put these other euphemisms on the word ambition. And, um, and so women start to shrink back, but they want, they want the thing. And so it's like, well, how do you, you have to, there's such a narrow, narrow road for women to walk. You know, it's like you have to, to be beautiful and smile and look selfless, but not be selfless Mm -hmm. and just, you know, play the cards perfectly to the, to the end goal. And I think that's, that's something that's just not the same for men. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I love, I loved some of those, some of those essays you had that just some of the people I want to quote somebody. I'm going to quote somebody because I wrote it down. It made me so happy. Um, you have lots of quotables here, don't you? There's many quotables. I know Pam Houston, so I, I'm not, you know, she has, I work hard, therefore I am, which, which cracked me up to no end. Um, mostly because I'm like, oh, she doesn't sleep a lot, huh? Yeah, I don't necessarily think that's a good idea. That's sort of my problem, too. Um, uh, but Ayana Mathis had this amazing thing that she said, and she said, um, for some 30 years, most of my grandmother's dinners consisted of whatever was left at the bottom of the pot after she'd fed her nine children. And I just, I had just like, it just gutted me. I think, um, partially because it made me think about a story with my own dad, where he was growing up in Harlem and, um in what you know is sort of known as like a Syrian ghetto or was at the time and um and my grandmother they were poor and my grandmother was always making them lentils and apparently he came off the street one time and was like I'm not eating this shit and she smacked him across the face and I you know because it was it was like so horrendous to her to like have to feed him lentils like almost every day for dinner and still like she was putting food in his belly and I was thinking about that I was thinking about like what is it that we what is it that we're pushing against like if we're not struggling with feeding our children like if we feel grateful to like Mm -hmm. be able to put food on the table and we have a roof over our head although you know in portland that's tenuous i mean (laughs) i feel thankful that i have a roof over my head (laughs) but i think that um if you're not struggling with that it's like where is that where's that edge like what's happening what is it that we're thinking about with our children and what is the struggle there in terms of like, what is it that we have to maybe complain about even as artists? Like, what is the problem there? I don't know. Like, maybe, you know, that, that's well, sort of Well, I mean, is, the, is there... So if you can put a roof over your head and scrape the bottom of your pot to right. feed your kids and you write an amazing novel mm-hmm. and it's definitely one of the best novels of the year and you're not listed for the National Book Award and nine men are, is it a problem? I mean, this is the kind of thing that has happened... For decades. Right. And, you know, and oh, it just happens to be that all the judges were men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right. and all the people who picked the judges were men. Mm-hmm. And on and on and on. And, and, on. on. and, and why on. is it so weird that Jasmine Ward got two National Book Awards when there's so many other women that right. won two and three? And yes. Yeah. And I think you have this issue of, of, you know, gatekeepers and the gatekeepers for the gatekeepers and the gatekeepers for those gatekeepers <laughs> all the way down mm-hmm. to, you know, like, Several years ago, a literary magazine, when, when Vita was first doing its count for, you know, men and women in publishing, yeah. there was a literary magazine that's fantastic that did an issue with, it was all men, the whole, and, and it was like right as this count was coming out. And I, rem, I think I wrote a piece about it for Slate 
way, you know, when it was happening. But like the question is also, what does it matter? So one literary magazine does this issue. It's all men. Like Mm -hmm. who cares? Right. But the literary magazines are the gatekeepers. Yes. And Mm -hmm. from the literary magazine, there are the push carts and the best Americans. And then there's the agents and then there's the book deals and then there's the prizes Mm -hmm. and then there's the careers. Right. So like if we, if we ignore the small things, I think we add to the Mm-hmm. collective issue because the world works in this way just does so yeah, yeah. So and I even mean, more so in the arts because it's very like it's a smaller community it's than a smaller community realize. absolutely mm-hmm. and it runs on it's perhaps less of a meritocracy than it might seem from yes. the outside yes for sure <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely perhaps <laughs> <laughs> perhaps maybe <laughs> So, I mean, just to just to talk about, I do want to just say this one thing. I love the part where you said, maybe I should include an essay by a woman who failed. Like, I love that. You didn't, did you? Like, I didn't finish well, the book. Well, so how do, you, how do you pitch that? Yeah, I don't somebody? know. <laughs> but no. I mean, but I mean, well, <laughs> no well okay. <laughs> okay, so, no, no, no. But the thing is, like, there's failure, and then there's somebody who maybe has reevaluates. I mean, the reason that that was so interesting to me is because I just think about John and myself and how, our whole concept of what success is has shifted since we had our daughter. Yeah. Like, on some level, I still have similar things that I always wanted. On another level, I'm over 40, and there's things that are no longer like... Like, I just remember when certain poetry prizes just went away. And some of my friends and I, like, after we turned 40, we were all like, ah, let's all just have a deep sigh. Who cares about that? Moving on. And I think that there's, there was some of that, too. Like, having my daughter was just like, I am too exhausted like working and taking care of my house and like being with my partner and all these, I just, there's just no way that I have capacity for this. Yeah. I mean, that essay is for sure in the book. Like, um, there's a, a woman, Yael, who, Yael, I guess is probably how you say it. Um, and she is a psychologist and professor and a mom. And her essay is about sort of failing and sort of winning at both of those things all the time. Like, yeah. just never doing either one. And knowing that. You're going in knowing that that was mm-hmm. going to be the situation. Right. Um, in some ways, I feel like my... The first essay I wrote, which I didn't include, was all about failure. And then I, re- I wrote this other essay for the book that was partially about failure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that essay, though, Robin. It was fabulous. But, you know, I think, I think that... The truth is that in any successful life, there's a lot of failure. Yeah. So I think... Most of the essays probably touch on that, like Teresa Rebeck's about mm-hmm. um, smash and the fi- she gets fired as yeah, part of that. It was, and it, that was it's pretty brutal. brutal. I mean, that's that's a failure too, right? I mean, it's it's not a failure because she failed, but it's a failure because she got fired, right? Like, it. I'm sure it felt like a failure, even right? If, that she, even if she had right. nothing to do with it, that she couldn't keep herself in that position. She was somebody that Steven Spielberg had hired to do oh, a okay. series, yeah. and then. And then she um, eventually got fired because, well... It's also politics. an injustice. Yes. Maybe it's not a failure. But I think that I think that's woven through the book. I guess the essay we didn't get was the really, you know, the person who, like, tried a million things and then didn't do any of them and just feels sad. Like, we didn't... Right, I didn't know you, how to pitch that. Like, right. I know you were really ambitious. It didn't go anywhere. 
would you like to write an essay? <laughs> right, Here's your chance for essay. success. How, yeah. would you, how would you even like find that? This is the other joke about it. Is like, well, how would you find other... that person? They would not be seen. And I think this is this is also like, so where? So who who is it that you have like on a podcast like this? Who is it that we have here? Do we have people like, you know? Um, well, we have people who are doing things yeah. who aren't necessarily in the spotlight and we have they are to some like have, to some level right well i mean this is what i think mm-hmm. about in terms right. of reframing one's life when you've had a kid or you reach certain junctures with it you decide well what am i going to push what is my what boundaries am i going to push what are what are what's my perimeter mm-hmm. you know is my perimeter uh my community and i don't know what, what is that what is your community you know am i going to try to push my community out of my neighborhood, out of my city, national, you know, regionally, nationally, mm-hmm. internationally. I mean, I I think these kinds of questions have come to my mind about yeah. you know, um, I'm I'm I'd like to hear a little bit too about how uh, you and your husband must have very interesting conversations. So he's a writer as well, right? Do we have interesting? Or maybe, sure we do. <laughs> or maybe it's okay. You, you have a very young <laughs> child. Hey, we didn't even do that part. We're supposed to do that part, Robin. Oh yeah. How old is your child? Yes. <laughs> Well, our last conversation might have been about pink eye, actually. Um, so I have a 17-month-old daughter. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're you're in you're in the fire right now. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but you are. It's yeah. Hard. I actually feel like it's gotten so much. I had a baby who did not sleep, did mm-hmm. not sleep. Mm-hmm. So I did not sleep for nine months, and so now that that's not happening anymore. And I can cook dinner and like get dressed and mostly, I think mostly clean clothes and things like that. Like it feels, I feel fine. I feel like I feel fine. You know what I mean? Because I felt so bad for so many months. Right. Oh, I know. I, um, yeah. We were, we were, over, we were over the, the yeah. young mark ourselves. Yeah. It was horrendous. Uh, but you know, one of the things that I, that I think about a lot with Sylvie is my daughter. Well, I think about my mother a lot. Mm-hmm. And my mother died, and um, and I think about what she showed me about ambition and striving and intelligence and fierceness and all kinds of things. And she did tell me a lot of things. My mom was a trial attorney, um, really hardworking, really good at everything that she did. Uh, and I so. On the one hand, I think a lot about like, well, you know, I enjoy working hard. I enjoy what I do, but I also want to show Sylvie some of the things that my mother showed me about, you know, sticking to things and tenacity and grit and gumption and moxie and all the things that I feel like my mom was working (laughs) really hard with me to instill. But the things that my mom didn't do well, my mom, you know, went to law school when I was one and a half and then worked you know Mm -hmm. so was gone Mm -hmm. for all forever for my whole childhood and got sick in her 40s with cancer and uh I feel like and she was she was a little bit dismissive of women who stayed home and Mm -hmm. you know worked part-time that sort of thing my mom was really like you know we're gonna use our gifts and you know capital F feminism and like you know it was the never 80s. look back it's right. really it intense the 80s. the 80s are really it was intense the late 70s and the 80s yep and it was a particular kind of feminism mm-hmm. and it was the first general like her mother worked in a factory yep. 
and you know had no I don't even know if she had a high school education probably if if she finished high school that was the end of her education and my great grandmother was illiterate you know her husband died by a car and died and then she had to move in with my grandparents because so this legacy of women who who couldn't use their gifts right and then my mom was like the first one that could and so this incredibly like uh, you know, rigid sort of system of beliefs around that. She had a rigid system of beliefs around that. And then, so I think about all of that and she died young. Yes. So like I, and I think about all of this when I think about Sylvie and I think about the life I want to live and I don't know exactly how you balance all the things because I'm not working full time right now. I work part time at a number of things and I'm home a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm home with her part-time pretty much every day and full-time some days. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that, that was important to me. That was yes. something I didn't have when I mm-hmm. was little. Yeah. And it was something I wanted to give and to see what kind of an impact that could make. Um, on you as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Else. It's on everybody. It's on not everybody. just like... I think that's it. I think that that's, to me, honestly, Robin, I mean, my mom died four four years ago, and um, she stayed at home with me until I went to school, Mm -hmm. and then went back to work, and both my sisters have done the same thing with their children, and I feel like we're such anomalies. My one sister is like, she's super successful. She works with children with really severe autism in New York. She Mm -hmm. makes really good money, and but she, you know, was just like very adamant about I'm not doing this. I'm going to raise my child. And it feels like, especially with pe- women on the left, just to say this, educated women on the left, like there's a lot of pressure that, yeah. especially if you don't have a partner who makes lots of money, or even if you do, you don't want to talk about that. <laughs> all, right. For all those women, out, all those women <laughs> artists out there who have, you know, husbands who are doctors. I mean, sorry, but you know, let's hey, be I'm honest. A doctor. Oh, you are a doctor. A doctor of <laughs> flute, baby. <laughs> When they say, sound, is there a doctor in the ha- on the plane? You say, no, no, I'm not performing. No. Um, but, but I do think that, that that's, you know, that's a really fascinating thing because we often, I, at least myself, I often would, you know, be exhausted, stressed out, be like, oh my gosh, why am I spending all day with my kid? And I just want so desperately to like write something and like not. And, and I, you know, um, I remember sending an email to my mentor, Alice Notley, the poet, and I was like, how did you do it, Alice? I'm losing my mind. And she was just like, you know, there comes a point where they're kind of just your little buddy. And I was like, yeah, that's a generational thing too. Like that notion of just like, I'm just going to hang out with my kid. It's totally fine. And there's other women doing this too, but I don't know any other women who were doing it. They were all working. Yeah. You know, so have you, how has that been for you? I've been able to find community with other moms who are, around working part-time or we we encountered a lot of people sent their kids to daycare yeah pretty much everyone and even if they were just teachers when i was working full-time for a few years and claudia was home with river claudia actually had a difficult time meeting women who had i didn't know anybody who had kids that was in our neighborhood at all i don't know people in my neighborhood very well i have a bunch of friends who have kids um little kids babies and little kids some have flexible schedules. A few mm-hmm. have part-time and flexible schedules, and several do daycare. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's necessarily, you know, anything wrong with that. I just, um, 
I was that kid, so I guess yes. I, I wanted to try to do something a little different. And you know, if I, if I had a wonderful, wonderful job that I loved madly, like if I did have that job I was joking about yes. earlier. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I missed you know, that. What was that oh, job? Oh, sorry. Like, you know, like a, at a really great university with yes. like my tiny little teaching load and my huge salary. Oh, right. Yes. yes. And, my, and my, you know, sabbatical that came up all the time. Yes, every two years. Yeah, just whatever. like we're off to France Then that would something. be a different story. But, you know, I didn't... <laughs> oh, I didn't... you find something to complain about. <laughs> <laughs> I might want to, you know, I might want to keep doing that job and I might not want to quit it. But I wasn't in that position. I was in a really different yeah. position. And so I didn't have the great job. I wasn't going to lose anything by staying home I really only mm-hmm. had something to gain at this point I already have some really great part-time stuff that I do so I was just going to keep doing that I had given up tenure track teaching job before I got pregnant for other reasons yeah so um so yeah so I mean I I I don't know what the answer is for people but there is not one answer there's I guess not is the answer. answer no it's just about this is why we interview a lot of different people yeah. just to kind of see like what's happening for and you and the financial reality is that you know, for some families and for a lot of families, daycare is a cheaper option than somebody staying home. So, mm, yeah. yeah. Or it just feels better because then or you get to keep better. your career. Well, yeah. I mean, if you do the math, like yes. as you do the math into the future where you're like, well, if I don't give up my career, I at least yes, totally. make money when they're three. Right? Yes, right. Exactly. Right. Over and the long going... term, the arc right. like, yeah. with raises and things. Probably. Yeah. We, we had we had some people that I worked with when I was working my corporate job that we saw in our birthing class, which we didn't expect. And I remember having this whole conversation with the, um, I worked with the guy and uh, his partner, his wife. And it was really funny because I remember we were meeting like right after we had our babies and we would like walk around and I was just like weeping constantly. And she's like, I think I'm going to go back in six weeks. She's like, I think it's good. And I was like, what? Ah!" Like I was just a disaster. I was like, are you insane? Yeah. I remember touring a daycare facility. We were trying to look at preschools, I believe. And some of them have infant rooms all yes. the way up through preschool and mm-hmm. people were like you you weren't you didn't put yourselves on a preschool list when you were pregnant are you insane oh, so, you know please. then we had this like six month old and we were like panicked going to all the like oh you know God. like trying to figure out if you needed to put like a hundred dollar bill attached to your application <laughs> or like how it worked in portland and uh oh no well yeah no <laughs> yeah the, the but, truth is there's actually more time than people think even in portland yeah, yeah. no i mean yeah. I, got, I don't remember who freaked me out so bad that i so, you know, I, I got very L.A. and I tried to, like, figure it all out. And then I was like, this doesn't seem like that big of a deal. I think we should stop freaking out. Um, but we went to one and there was a, an infant room. And the babies were so little. Mm-hmm. You know, people's babies were there and they were six weeks old. Yes. Or they were four weeks yes. old. And they were, like, brand new. And they were just kind of sitting there in blankets with... There were caregivers there. And the room sort of smelled like a dog pen, like the yes. Humane Society, you know. And I was just glad that I didn't have to do that. Yeah. Some people have to do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Single, like, my mother was a single mother. I told it. yeah. yeah. You, when you got to do it, you, you got to do, do it. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not even a question. And it's amazing that some women can bring these tiny babies to work with them. Those workplaces are rare, but they do exist. A friend of mine had a baby recently and yep. took the baby to work for the first few months. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, where I worked That's in Boulder. When I, was, when I was in Colorado, that was true. They did um, share. There were a lot of couples. Yeah. And they would allow them to share a salary and like work four hours, four hours and work it that way. So I, in terms of having a little baby and working, I, um, since this is a podcast about parenting and 
working. So I'm working on a new book. And, or not. You know. Yeah. <laughs> or ostensibly. Or we just drink beer. And we're like, yay, fun. Maybe I'm not drinking enough beer. Um, so I'm working on a new book, and I, I was working on it really hard. So this, the story of Sylvie, my daughter, is that I got pregnant with her after probably about four or five years of trying to get pregnant with her and failing and then using all kinds of interventions and signing up for adoption and just doing the whole oh, thing, the whole brutal. thing. Mm-hmm. And finally, we solved it. I got pregnant with Sylvie. Very happy pregnancy. I was working on a new book. And then my dad gets in a catastrophic accident. And for the last two months of my pregnancy, I spent in the ICU in Eugene. Oh, and terrible. But up until then, I was working on this book. And like you know, I had notes, and I was trying to make it something. And then I had this newborn, and it felt like because I had this, I'd lost the last two months of my pregnancy entirely. You know, we had no nursery. We had no baby anything. When I had mm-hmm. the baby, you know, yep. it was in the mid. Like, my dad barely got out of the ICU and I was having the baby. And um, so I had, I got frustrated when the baby was about three months old that it had been, you know, what, five or six months since I'd even looked at these pages. Yeah. And so I worked during her naps. She would nap sometimes on me mm-hmm. and I would try to work on these pages and I thought I was really doing this amazing job. <laughs> and, you know, like here I was, I yeah. was like that woman, that, that picture of that artist with the, the twins have you seen this for picture? nursing yes yes mm-hmm. this like mm-hmm. sort of like ambition porn mm-hmm. picture and <laughs> except like, I, my best friend had twins and i know that that's bullshit so of yeah of course it's bullshit <laughs> <laughs> of course that picture is bullshit that picture is like made to make everyone feel terrible <laughs> yeah no and, I mean, and everyone's my, seen it too like people don't like, talk about it but everyone has seen it everyone's seen it and, seen just, like, it. and then i'm like and i'm forever. like this is my friend who like tag bears in alaska she's the toughest woman I've this ever is a real in my public life. service announcement yeah right seriously yeah. toughest <laughs> woman <laughs> ever okay those boys broke her ass so that's all i'm saying twins that's crazy town twins is crazy town you are not working on your laptop while they just happen to Stick on your boobs right. like that. Like, like right. you don't even right. have to suction. hold them; they just right. suction on. And Twins, it's perfect. Suction on. And your nipples never hurt. Yeah, you They're never just, have to perfect. adjust them it's, or anything. You never have supply mm-hmm. issues. There's no pumping involved. Nothing needed. No. I love the idea though; these babies just stuck on you, like but they just <laughs> stick on, like. You don't have to hold them. You don't, you don't, yeah, just, they don't come off. Yeah. 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 Just like when I would pump at work and I was like, oh my God, I have a really stressful meeting, but I have to relax now. This is my relaxing right. time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, so I was like, you know, trying to work on this book. And I remember thinking that I had, I don't even remember. I can't, you know, I don't, I, it's all a big foggy mess. I didn't sleep for so many months. Yeah. But I remember thinking like, this is great. I've done all this work. Who says this is hard? This is so not hard. I don't need sleep. I don't need I don't need time or sleep or food. <laughs> and then, you know, like later on, I can see that what I was doing was mostly shit. But it didn't feel like shit. It was like this great delusional like new baby. Yeah. I don't know. Just, it's like it's it was like, all a big fog of like it's making art when you're high. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it it's so like, good. So you're like, this is the best ever. Mm-hmm. And everyone was alive. Like, my birth was really traumatic, and my dad almost died. And I was like, everyone's alive. I can just work now. I didn't have an office anymore. The baby was in the office, so I had this, like, desk outside her room, like, in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was life-affirming. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, it was. Oh, and we didn't have a kitchen because yeah. we'd like torn it out. Yeah. But then my dad, you know, so yeah. like, you know, it was nuts. It was nuts. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you know, like the like seventh month of like Trader Joe's defrosted in the toaster. I don't. Yeah, I can't yeah. even remember all the things that were going on. But I think you know whatever. I tried to work. <laughs> Trader and, Joe's know, just doesn't seem as good anymore, does it? Not it's, after the like seventh not, month of it. No, no, no. no. I can't help me. That's another. Rotten, that's no. my thing. That's another great lie. Is that Trader Joe's is actually good? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's really it's just not. a salt sodium. It's yes. Microwave Nightmare. lick. Just yes. like it's those awful. things my father used to eat yep. at oh, Albertsons out of the freezer. Don't. Yeah. Dark farm. Yeah. Dark farm. Well, it's yeah. true. It's, it's true. Thanks for coming over. Yeah, yeah Robin. This was so great. Thank we you. loved it. It was wonderful. I was going to have you like read a passage from your book, but we're going to, we'll do something fun at the end and, you know, we'll make something fun. John always does some fun musical something. Yeah. I, something. I rely on him to I be know. a musician. Right, cool. Be a musician. Well, great to talk to you. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks, You're Robin. Welcome. We're um, we're thick in the throat, honey, and you can find us pretty much almost everywhere. Not on Twitter, though. I'm sorry, I refuse to get on Twitter. I can't handle it. But we're on Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, mm-hmm. Medium. We have a nice blog, and uh, you can find us on thickinthroathoney.com. And this podcast is on iTunes, so subscribe and enjoy it. We will soon be on Stitcher. It'll be great. Thank you. Thanks. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you.